Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, and welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. We're hosted by Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. We are also a part of the Corporate Compliance Insights family, and both Compliance Podcast Network and CI are great spots for you to get your cutting-edge news and keep up to date. Today, we're talking to somebody in a very up-to-date industry. I'm so excited to speak with Carolyn Renzen, Chief Legal and Compliance Officer at FanDuel. I got to know Carolyn earlier this year when I had the opportunity to moderate an SCCE panel with Carolyn and Sabrina Perel, who is a Chief Compliance Officer for the NFL. And after that, I made sure to keep in touch with Carolyn, even at her extremely busy schedule, and not so much because I'm a long-suffering Buffalo Bills fan. I was so fascinated when we met because I learned so much about FanDuel and online gaming, and I'm so excited to share that with our listeners. So with that, Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. And can you talk about your background and what got you into compliance? Thanks, Lisa. And thanks so much for having me. This is fun. I appreciate the opportunity. So I originally am trained as a lawyer. I'm a litigator and spent the early part of my career as a white collar trial attorney and dealing with a lot of regulators. And after about nine, 10 years in the law firm world, I left that world to do compliance consulting. And I loved it because after spending so much time trying to clean up messes as a litigator, it was really fun for me to think about how do you design a company's compliance program to try and avoid some of that stuff in the first place. I left that job to go to JP Morgan after the financial crisis and did some more fun, both cleanup and design and found both to be equally fascinating in that interesting time of life. And then I had an opportunity to come to FanDuel to build out a compliance and a regulatory program. When I started, there was one person who was dedicated to compliance and one person who was dedicated to regulatory. And now I've also taken on the legal department and have a team of about 100 after three and a half years. So it's been really an interesting ride. And I think what brings me to compliance is I just like to problem solve. And I like to think about what are all the things that could go wrong in a company and how could we structurally and with process and people and tech design a company that could be as bulletproof as possible. And when I think about FanDuel, it seemed to me like that couldn't be a a more interesting compliance environment with all the things that can go wrong in in this industry. It's a high bar. And I thought, why not? Let's see what I can do. And it's still in some ways relatively new compared to some of the other industries that many of us work in. So it's very innovative. So with that, can you talk about that and how they're, why not only is it new, but it's a very highly regulated area. So what do you see as significant, both standing alone for FanDuel and partnering with sports leagues? So it is an extremely highly regulated industry. There are others that are highly regulated, like healthcare and banks and things like that. This is particularly interesting, I think, because not only is it highly regulated, but the regulators themselves are learning as we're learning what it means to regulate this industry. So Fandle has five different products, if you count retail, which I do. We have a sports, an online sports book, a retail sports book product. We have online casino. We have our horse racing 
product and we have daily fantasy. And so each of those is regulated differently, sometimes by different regulators in different states. And each state has a different constellation of the products that they permit. Um, And so what that means is every time we launch into a new state, we need to learn the new regulations. The company's processes need to accommodate those new regulations, and we need to meet the new regulators, and they need to meet us. And many times that we've launched into a new state, the state regulators themselves have never done this before. So we may be more experienced than the regulators themselves on how to regulate us. So there's a really interesting learning opportunity for us to get to know these regulators and learn alongside them what it means to be regulated on in that product and in that state. And so we we have close relationships with these regulators and sometimes we don't always get things exactly right and we need to learn what that looks like and it's different in every state. So the complexity of the environment in which we're operating is really unlike anything I've ever seen in part because it changes all the time. So you may learn about an interpretation of a regulation on the phone with the regulator who just decided it right then. So unlike a bank where the regulations are what they are, they may be very complex because you have so many of them in different regulators, but they don't change as frequently on the fly. And you can look it up. Here, we really are learning as we go the interpretations of the regulations and how that plays out. And we have to make a lot of risk-based decisions, and we have to collaborate a lot with the regulators to try and work through how we're supposed to operate. And that takes a lot of human power, and it means that we can't always use tech and tools to automate the way we might like to as quickly as we might like to because nothing is quite consistent and we're still learning. I think in a few years, it's going to be a lot easier to try and automate things because everybody will know what the rules are. Yeah. Oh, you asked about the partnering with the sports teams, the teams and leagues. So that's really fun. And particularly for most of my team are sports fans. Many play sports. I certainly am. I'm having a tough morning this morning after the Celtics loss last night. But what's fun, I think, about this industry is working with the teams and leagues, again, trying to understand how together we can keep the industry safe and really raise the bar around compliance across the industry. You've given me a bunch of things that I want to follow up on with you while I have you here. One is, as you've talked about all of the challenges and opportunities of working with regulators, you also have to build a team. This is something that struck me in our prior conversations that You've taken a similar approach to being innovative there and to build a team for this for a newer structure. How have you done that now? What has been either exciting or challenging to you in that area? So my team is get, what gets me up in the morning and building a high performing team is no joke when we're moving this fast and it's such a highly regulated industry. And particularly when you think about compliance people and lawyers, not traditionally known to be super innovative or super agile thinkers just as an industry, a lot of real risk averse folks, which is based on what we do. We're trying to keep people out of trouble. 
But in this industry, because every three or four months, we might be a different size company. And I like to say in three months, we're a completely different company than we were three months ago, depending on what new states are launched or new products are launched. We need our compliance people and our legal people to be constantly thinking uh, three months ahead or six months ahead and really be innovating. So one of the things that I do for every person that I hire, first, I'm always hoping I can tell in an interview, I'm hoping for that person who feels stuck and feels like they're biting at the bit to fix things, but they can't because they're in some industry where it's really hard to make change. And I'm always like, if you come here, you're going to not only be able to make change, but I'm going to ask you as part of your job to make change. And so one of the things I do is I meet with every single new hire on my team, regardless of their background, and in the first month of their hire, and I talk to them about my expectation of them, that they not only really own the piece of this puzzle that they work in, so that they can both be accountable for the work that's done, but also take pride and brag about the work that they do. But then I say to them that my expectation for them is that they do it in the best, smartest, fastest, and most innovative way. And that I want to hear back from them if they're seeing things that aren't functioning the right way. And I think about it as like, these new employees come in, they come in with a superpower, I like to say, that they can see things in the first three months that the people who have been doing it the whole time can't see because they've been doing it the whole time. And But at the same time, during those first three months, a new employee is like the most likely to keep their mouth shut because they don't want to be rude and say, hey, you guys are doing this thing all wrong. So what I do when I meet with them in that first month, I empower them to say, look, you can do it politely. But my expectation of you is that you're going to raise those things because I don't know where things are not efficient enough or working in using wrong tech or tools or bad processes. So please raise your hand and ask the question and always be thinking about how do we do this better, smarter, faster in an innovative way. We work in an innovative tech company. So I need my compliance people to be thinking both about all of the ticking and tying and documenting and robust consistency of action, but also be thinking about how do we do it better, smarter? How do we uh, think like we've never thought about? What's the output, the desired output that we need from whatever compliance process there is how do we do that better? And so I'm trying to build compliance innovators from the day they join. And so far, it's working really well. I've got people who really are just want to, they feel like they're engineers. I've hired engineers into my compliance team to work alongside them so that culturally, we're really integrated with that innovation, the innovative spirit of Vandal and of a tech company. And it's so fun. And I think I shock a lot of people in their first month because they've never been told that they're supposed to innovate as a compliance person. And it's not just about the bottom line. It's about like how we succeed um, as an operator in this space. So I got a lot of people super energized in a space that I haven't historically seen so much energy and it's, it's fantastic and it's so much fun. Obviously, your enthusiasm for it and your ability to grow and to scale to address things is also fantastic. It makes other people excited. People talk a lot about the tone from the leader of a group. So you've clearly helped bring that in so that people are excited from day one and get to contribute. So one of the other things that changes subjects a little bit, we were talking about how you have a casino and some of the other things is that one of the, that casinos or others have been considered traditionally very highly risky areas and risky areas for those of us who watched Ozark recently, definitely. 
But for you all, in some ways, it's a different business and starting from a different point. Can you talk about what's risky and what isn't when you look at it in that light? Yeah. So I think there's tons of risks in any company, of course. And I think we've got our risk because if we have this highly complex regulated environment, we have risks that we're going to violate a regulation at any moment, like any company does. I think to your question about the history of casinos, one of the things that I found find really interesting is you think about an online casino or online betting generally, and you think, my gosh, if someone can walk into a casino with a bag of cash and they're a bad person and they're going to do bad things with that bag of cash, imagine how easy it would be to commit a crime when it's online and you're in your pajamas and no one can see you with that bag of cash. And you think, my gosh, that must be so dangerous. You must have money laundering and corruption and all of this. And what's actually fascinating is the online world of casino and gambling and gaming is actually significantly less risky than the physical gaming industry, in part because we don't have a lot of cash. And part of the thing that makes cash risky is it's anonymous. So you can walk into a casino and nobody knows who you are and you put down your money and play blackjack and you can walk out and nobody's asking you a lot of questions. Now, I don't work in a land-based casino. I'm sure they do ask questions and I don't mean to say in any way that the online, that the land-based casinos are so risky, but I'd say about only about 5% of FanDuel's money that's coming in and out is cash. And most of that cash is actually inside existing land-based casinos. So when you operate online, the interesting thing is we know everything there is to know about you because you have to put in your payment information, which means your credit card, and we need to know who you are and do KYC on you. And then we can do enhanced due diligence on you and we can find out what we need to know. And to the extent you're silly enough to try to launder money and on an online gaming operator's website, we can see it. And we are very good with data and analytics, and we can notice things that perhaps might be more challenging to notice in a cash environment. We have a big team that mostly comes out of the banking industry that does traditional anti-bribery and corruption and sanctions and anti-money laundering work. But every time we do a risk assessment in our space, which we do frequently, it, our risk is much, much lower than you would think. Even for sanctions, we're operating in the United States and Canada, and guess what? We need to geolocate you. Literally, you have to be physically located in one of our states or in, in Ontario in order to play on FanDuel's website. From a sanctions perspective, we know at any given time how many human beings on a sanctions list are in the United States physically or in Canada physically. So one other thing I wanted to follow up on that, because this has been a theme throughout what you're talking about, money laundering, about all of these different topics, is that there's a focus on integrity, integrity of the market, integrity of your organization, and for bad actors. So how do bad actors in your field impact the work that you're doing, and how do you protect FanDuel? Yeah, I think in that sense, we're really like most other online businesses in the sense that Bad actors are the folks who are trying to take over real people's accounts and take advantage of holes in cybersecurity or trying to launder money online. And I think like other 
online companies, we spend a lot of time thinking about identity management, thinking about, are you the person that you say you are? And are you intent upon either harming us or using ill-gotten gains on FanDuel's website? And FanDuel does an amazing job countering that. Our entire culture at FanDuel is really wrapped around integrity. We have a, one of our employee principles is winning with integrity. And we do a lot of talking about that, thinking through at every moment in every interaction that you have within, with other employees of FanDuel's, with partners of FanDuel's or with customers or with regulators, we aim to win with integrity, meaning we're going to win. We're going to work as hard as we can to compete, but we're always going to do it the right way. And it's important from a reputational risk perspective that we be as squeaky clean as humanly possible. We're trying to balance balance the risks, but also enable people to, to enjoy our product. And my goal all the time is to make sure that our customers know that we've got their backs and that we're going to do the right thing by our customers. And that's what winning with integrity means. And then our employees know that we mean what we say, that when it comes time for a hard conversation about a really important customer and a potential risk, we're going to err on the, on, on the side of taking care of the customer and not not thinking about the financial impact to Fandle if it's not the right thing to do. That's what winning with integrity means to us. So it's it's part of our culture, this concept of integrity, but it's also really important to the industry to think about integrity. And it's really important to me that our customers think about their own integrity and looking out for their families. When I took this job, I've got two kids. When I took this job, I told them that I don't want to work for a company that's going to take advantage of customers or vulnerable people out there. My job is to make sure that we don't do that. And, that, and I've never had anything but the most fulsome support from my peers and from my CEO and across the industry. I think that's what we all are hoping to achieve. And it takes all of us to be working together to make that happen. It's, it's really just fascinating to learn about. And I think the integrity part is great. One last question before I let you go, which is changing a little bit from you personally, is there like a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned in your career either the easy way or the hard way that just has stuck with you over time? I think probably that's about thinking through what it is that makes you personally tick and trying to do more of that in your life. I think if my son, who's 18, lets me clean out his closet, it's a win for me. I'm going to do that whether somebody pays me to do that or not to do that. I think compliance is a lot like that. I love to clean up things. I love to put things in order. And I love to do it with other people who feel the same way. And so I think being successful at any part of your career is about finding the thing that you do when no one's looking, the thing that you would do without being paid and try and do more of that and then find other people who like to do it. And then you just have the wings at your back. And I think it's also really important to have an understanding of what makes a company tick. One of the things that I've learned particularly about compliance is that the culture of the place really matters, not just because it makes you happy or not going into work each day, but if a culture of a company, say like FanDuel, is all about integrity, guess who has a seat at the table? 
compliance. And I think not every company is focused so much on getting it right. And I think knowing that ahead of time before you take your job and trying to find people who care about the things you care about, like integrity, is critical. And I'm sure so many people in the compliance industry have, over the course of their careers, worked in places where they feel like they're the person who says no all the time, or they're the person that no one ever goes to, or they're the person who's trying to figure out, how do I get the business side to listen to me? Because I keep telling them they need to think about this or think about that, and I can never get the budget. I think there's, I shouldn't opine on on how to operate compliance in an, a company like that because I haven't done it, but I can tell you that the opposite of that feeling exists at FanDuel and it makes it really fun and rewarding to have a whole company lined up with you. I like to say at FanDuel that the commercial team plays offense and I play defense, that they can't win without me and I can't win without them. And we talk a lot like that using sports metaphors, but I think it's really true. And I like playing defense and they like playing offense, but we like playing together. And so I really think it's being successful in your career, whatever the career is, compliance or otherwise, is about knowing who you are, what you like, what you do and why it matters. And then just go toward the stuff that you like more than the other stuff. You're going to have every if you do that every day, your career is only going to get better and better for you. And that's what matters. That is great advice and it's making me think of some things too. And always speaking with you does. So thank you so much, Carolyn. And on behalf of Mary and me and the Compliance Podcast Network, I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.